Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Oh, baby, what is it? It is hump day. Hump day, middle of the week, downhill slide to Firearms Friday. It is that uh, great day where you can see the weekend from here already. It's amazing. Amazing. Welcome to the Michael Duke Show, broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this your favorite radio station and or FM translator and live around the world on the internet at michaeldukeshow.com where you'll find links to our audio-only podcast, excuse me, audio-only stream to the podcast, to the social media sites where we uh, simulcast the radio show every day on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, and so much more. It's uh, it's just a, just a beautiful day. Hey, uh, I mean, it... Man, there was so much frost in my car yesterday when I left. I mean, I said it was 39 degrees. I got into my car, or 30, what did I say yesterday? 36 degrees. But when I got into my car, my car said it was 31. So, I don't know, my thermo- my thermometer, anyway, something was broken. <clears throat> it was frosty yesterday, frosty. Today, though, 44 degrees and rain uh, here in South Central. I don't know what it's like in the rest of the state, but, oh, man, I just... Uh, they're saying it's going to be uh, rainy today and then get nicer towards the weekend uh, here in South Central and down towards the peninsula. You guys in Fairbanks, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I know it's been rainy and cold, uh, and <clears throat> you probably can expect the white stuff anytime soon. It's going to be one of those things. I <sighs> Fingers crossed for that Indian summer, but it just has not shown up yet, so I don't know. I don't know what to say. All right. Um, today on the program, what do we got going on? Well, uh, here at the end of hour one, we're gonna catch uh, we're gonna catch a few of you uh, by surprise because Chris Story, who was traveling yesterday, has uh, deigned to come on board with us and hang out with us today at the end of hour one to give us our weekly positivity update, our betterment segment, uh, and then. Uh, in hour two, uh, it's kind of the same thing that happened last week. Mike Shower is uh, flying in and hitting the ground, and he will call us on his way home from the airport. So <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna chat again with Mike Shower this week, just because it's well, it's always fun. I love talking to my friends, and uh, it should be a good conversation about uh, well, all the stuff that's going on across the state here uh, this morning. In, uh, in almost all of hour two. So that's kind of how we have things lined up now. Tomorrow on the program, still working on a guest for hour one, but uh, in hour two, we'll be talking with Nick Begich III, uh, the candidate for the U.S. House. He will be joining us in hour two to talk about his candidacy and everything that's going on out there, including the latest. I don't know if you've been watching this. Again, we don't normally cover a whole lot of national politics, 
but you could see the headlines already. House Republicans flounder as Speaker McCarthy fails to appease the hard right on funding. I love how it's hard right. Somehow, we quietly, by the way, I don't know if any of you noticed, but we quietly tipped over the $33 trillion debt mark here in the last 10 days. Nobody's really saying anything about it, but $33 trillion in debt. And somehow, those people who are asking for a reduction in government spending and a little bit more responsibility, because, you know, we have to face these things like arithmetic, are somehow now being termed hard right. Because they're saying things like, this can't continue. <laughs> Mathematically, this doesn't work out. And uh, But <clears throat> don't worry. They're hard right wackadoos for doing that. I mean, that's the that's the flavor of this whole commentary is that they are hard right, um, which is just astonishing to me overall. I mean, again, not that we can affect it, not that we can do anything about it right now, not that we can make any changes or try and get Congress to move in the right direction. I mean, all we can do is look at it and shake our heads and go, well, <laughs> I mean, we can see it. We can see that that kind of stuff can't continue. How come you guys can't see it? I mean, it's a it's the million-dollar question that, I mean, I've been asking myself for two decades as I've been doing this, is watching this kind of madness. There's just, there is no fiscal responsibility in that bunch. I don't care if they're Republicans or Democrats. Out of 500 and change of those folks, there's like five of them that have any kind of fiscal uh, acumen to basically say we we can't keep we just can't keep doing thirty three trillion. I mean I don't know if you even have a con. I mean we have to work so hard to wrap our brains around the concept of a trillion dollars. When I was in junior high school, I remember specifically them talking about the budget. This is during the Reagan era and all the things that were going on. And of course, Reaganomics was a big deal. And I remember they were talking about like how billions was a big amount. Like like you were having a, when we went from, oh, it's a million dollar increase to, oh, now that's pocket change. And now it's a billion dollar increase. And a billion was real money. And now billions, we just kind of throw them around like they're nothing. Like it's just like nothing. Oh, it's a billion dollar increase. That's no big deal. That's, you know, Real thirty-three trillion dollars in debt, and did did anybody? Did you see the headlines trumpeted around the the whole the whole thing? I mean, and and like I said, I don't care if they're a Republican or a Democrat; they're all to blame at this point. Every one of them. Republicans getting in there trying to do their thing on, oh, we're going to be responsible. We're going to blah. And next thing you know, they're and the Democrats on the other side, well, we're going to we're going to try and social safety net. And they, neither one of them wants to admit that what they have is a serious, serious problem. And the headline, like I said, the headline says it all. House Republicans founder flounder as Speaker McCarthy fails to appease the hard right on funding. Somehow, being fiscally responsible has become a virtue of the hard right only. Everybody else. Everybody else. Oh, 
anyway, uh, okay. This is why it's why I don't focus on because you can't. We can't do anything about it. You know, we can't. Other than when our elected officials like Nick Begich um, or um, you know Sullivan or Murkowski or Peltola candidates or actual incumbents, whoever they are, we need to ask them the questions about this. We it is our responsibility to ask them questions. Now, not that we can affect this in the long run, but maybe just maybe we can get somebody in there who actually is taking a look at this from a, um, you know, from, again, a fiscally sound perspective. Like, uh, OK, we can, you know. I don't know. This, it, it again, frustrating. But when I saw that number, I was just, again, trying to wrap my brain around, you know, uh, you got a, a billion. A trillion is a thousand billion. I'm sure most of you know this. I'm not, I'm just, I'm trying to again, expand upon this idea. And we just keep hearing these numbers and they just, they start to become a blur. But when you hear $33 trillion in debt and we are, uh, uh, we are potentially going to see up to $50 trillion in debt by the end of the decade, based on the, based on the spending curve where we're at right, curve where we're at right now, 50 I mean, I just can't, just can't even, I can't even wrap my brain around it. Meanwhile, I'm trying to make sure that I've got, uh, you know, that we got enough paycheck to uh, put food on the table and pay medical bills and, 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 uh, you know, heat the house and do all this other stuff. And these guys are like, oh yeah, we got money. We don't, we're just going to spend whatever. We'll make it up. We'll just print it on the backside. It's just, just so frustrating. Um, what are some of the other stories where we're going to talk about this, uh, the school issue uh, going on around the state? Uh, some uh, There was a bomb threat. Uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, we'll talk about the new COVID vaccine mandate. Remember, we were talking about this just yesterday or day before, and now it's been released, uh, been come out that <clears throat> one of our healthcare providers is starting to do a mandate, but maybe it's not. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. I mean, who knows? We'll talk a little bit about the uh, uh, the Medicaid, Medicare uh, situation here in the state of Alaska, which is also challenging, um, and the fact that it is September, which means that it's Hunger Action Month, and how the food banks across the state of Alaska have been struggling ever since COVID. I mean, the demand during COVID absolutely accelerated because there were many people who were struggling. Uh, Many of them were, you know, shut down. So they weren't really working. They weren't receiving their paychecks. And they were out of work because everything was shut down. Uh, It was a tremendous amount of uncertainty around those times. And the amount of um, uh, the amount of demand on the food banks across the state of Alaska absolutely exploded. And what we found out right now is that need hasn't gone away. Um, there's an article over on uh, Alaska's news source, KTUU, where they talk about this. And um, and according to uh, Kara Durr, who's with the Food Bank of Alaska, this year we've seen a record need among our partners. Many are reporting record months and record years. Alan Budall, who's the director of the Lutheran Social Services, said that the mobile food pantry it operates has experienced a steady rise in the number of people. 
Uh, he said they do anywhere from 180 to 245 families a week. Last week it was 243. The drive through pantry, which is held every Tuesday in the parking lot of a local Anchorage church, organizer says the line of cars waiting often starts an hour before the food distribution, uh, distribution begins. An hour. They're parked there. And they found uh, there's a really diverse crowd. you got a mother who said she's feeding five kids, a man who said his paycheck didn't stretch far enough to feed his family, uh, and a couple who said they were homeless and drove in from the Matsu. They said they'd been homeless for a year now, living in a garage with no plumbing or anything. And they said they come down there once a month from Wasilla to go to the food banks and then go home. And he said, that's our month's worth of food. I mean, it's it's a brutal thing. So... September is Action Hunger Month, uh, and food pantries say they rely on donations to help fill their shelves as well as purchasing food from the Food Bank of Alaska. Um, and the Food Bank's got a lot of different ideas if you want to help out, which is at foodbankofalaska.org if you want to find out more about that. But it is a tough thing. I mean, you know, I, I <clears throat> trust me, I got <laughs> Three kids at home, and when I look at that Costco bill every two weeks, we have to. My wife has to go to Costco every two weeks, and I look at that Costco bill, and I go, "Oof." I mean, I'm just lucky now that my oldest son has moved out of the house, and he's gone because that kid could he could grind through some groceries like there ain't no tomorrow. That kid was, I mean, he's a runner, he's a worker, he's a you know he was going going going. That kid could eat some grub. And I'm a little thankful. And the first thing he said to me after about three months out, he goes, man, dad, food is expensive. And I'm like, welcome to the party, pal. <laughs> now you see why I was always after you to make sure you ate all the leftovers and did all the stuff that you, instead of, I mean, yeah, it's expensive. I could see why everybody's having a hard time. Like I said, people, it's, it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be a struggle. So if you feel like you can give back, maybe you've got some old canned food or things you want to rotate out or whatever. Uh, anyway, foodbankofalaska.org is where you can go to help with the uh, uh, September Hunger Action Month to help out the local communities. Um, it's, we, God forbid, you know, but for the grace of God, therefore go I kind of thing. That's what it's all about. All right, we got more coming up. We're going to talk about the schools here in a minute. And uh, the email that was received by 12, 26, I mean, I, I heard all kinds of numbers, but we'll, we'll get into that and hear more tomorrow, uh, more uh, in the next segment, and we'll be back. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Back with more right after this. every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Uh, in the break. There we go. Um, good morning, good morning, good morning. Donna says, it's hard to be right. It's hard right. It's hard to be, it's hard to be right. It is hard to be right. Um, oh, come on. This thing's already giving me a hard time this morning. Um, 
Unfortunately, I'm about to walk out the door already. Let's pray I don't... What was this, Bill? Let's pray I don't crash and burn on the steps, deck steps again this morning. At least it's raining and not frost this morning. Oof. Oh, did you slip on the deck yesterday? It was crazy. I went out to my car and there was like, yeah, I mean, it was frosty. I'd start and sit there for a minute, let my windows defrost. It was amazing. Um, uh, the jet to D, the debt to, D, to GDP is going, uh, Harold says, the debt GDP is going to worsen if the government shutters for any length of time. Idiot GOP can't even agree with himself. I mean, somebody's got to call a woe on this, Harold. You can't, you can't say that this is the way to go. That we just can't, you know, that we just can keep spending, you know, this, I mean, come on. It's, I, you know, um, it, it is insane. It has nothing to do with Trump. I don't understand this. Trump did not, Trump expanded the it's spending in the government. I don't know why you keep saying that. Um, Trump, I mean, this is not a, this is a conserve, this is a fiscal responsible versus fiscally irresponsible question. Has nothing to do with any of that. Um, all right, the jab is back. Um, when they mandate the jab, make sure they fire you for refusing because now they are saying they didn't mandate the jab last time. Um, um, okay. Uh, let's go here. Groceries. Imagine if they got their. Brian says, imagine if those people got their full PFD. But the governor is more important than the people and is supposed to serve. Exactly. That's exactly it right there. Um, $5.40 for heating oil, says Bill. Oof. Um, Melody says, my Wednesdays are my mental health day, a.k.a. I do nothing day. I really enjoy my Wednesday. You deserve a break today. I, I would love that. I would love to do that. I would love to be there. Um, <laughs> yes, MD, says Anthony. I have teenage boys, otherwise known as mobile Sarlacc pits. Oh, my God. Those kids can grind through some groceries. Man, when they were, yeah. I mean, it, and it's just as they got older and my son got bigger and taller and he got more, he was doing more athletic things. He was running, he was working out, he was doing all this stuff. That kid even ate even more. And it was just, oh man, it was, it was, it's brutal. You know, I start going back and looking at my, you know, my, my, uh, my bank account, you know, it's got a feature in it where you can categorize stuff by what your spending was like over the last quarter. And I go back and I look at my grocery bills and I'm like, good God almighty, you, you could, holy cow. I told my wife, I said, you need to make sure that we're getting only essentials because I think we're getting something extra in here. Oof. Oof. Brian had to Google what Sarlacc pit is. That's the pit that swallows Boba Fett in the uh, second Star Wars movie. It's the one that eats anything. It eats anything. Uh... Mobile garbage disposals, I suppose, would be the other, you know, more less Star Warsy term. But I mean, they're just eating machines. Yeah, yeah. My, mine is twelve years old, and the grocery store runs my life. I mean, that's you know, thank God we have, you know, we I have a wife who works well with me in putting together food storage and ever all that stuff. I mean, it's it's 
Because, man, if she had to go into town more than twice a month to do that, it's, it's crazy. Every now and then she has to do a run in, you know, like three runs in a single month. That's when I cringe. There's some grub, there's some grub being grinded on that stuff. I mean, when, you, when your grocery bill is like 1200 bucks a month, you're like, what? Come on. All right. <clears throat> we got to go. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. talking about we're just talking about teenage boys in the chat room people who are like yeah i got teenage boys it's like the bottomless pit man i mean when you start looking at your bills and you're like what's this 1200 a month food bill what the i mean man i mean you're feeding six people but at some point you're like somebody needs to cut back maybe it's me <laughs> maybe i need to cut back uh, maybe that's what it's on. Maybe I should cut back on the donuts, right? Maybe that's the, because, I mean, because we got to leave some for the wildlife, right? Did you guys see this? Did you guys see the J-Bear, um, the bear patrol, the bear donut bandits, the two bear donut bandits? A pair of bears raided a Krispy Kreme donut truck on J-Bear last week. Did we talk about this? I don't know if we did. I know I read the story for one of the radio stations when I was doing the news minute, but this is, I mean, this was like, it was crazy. Apparently the driver who was making off his normal delivery route on J-Bear left his doors open, which he normally does when he stopped at a store. But this time a sow and one of her cubs just sauntered into the truck and started, just started eating. They just started eating and they would not be dislodged. People, they had the doors were open, so they were trying to get them out of the truck. So they're banging on the side of the truck and everything else. And they went through like four boxes of donut holes and a bunch of, I mean, they just, they got a picture of it on the website. It is crazy stuff. Um, But I mean, they just kind of ground through all these, uh, all these donuts and uh, finally, they had to get the MPs to come over and uh, blast sirens into the truck, like point the sirens into the truck and blast the uh, truck, blast the truck with sound waves. And the bears eventually came out and wandered out into the convenience store. Uh, the manager of the of the Dino of the uh, of the Krispy Kreme said, uh, "The delivery driver is now going to close his door when he stops at the shop." He said. <laughs> We're cautious when we come in and when we leave. When we take out the garbage, we do it in pairs, especially if it's dark. I mean, yeah, because once those bears get a taste for donuts, no one is safe. Uh, I just, a picture of these two bears in the back of the truck just rolling around and crunching on the donuts is fantastic. So I guess no Krispy Kreme for me. I I don't like Krispy Kreme donuts anyway. I mean, I know that's sacrilegious for some of you. I know that's sacrilegious, but it's just, I like a cakey donut. I don't like the, I like cake donuts better. Just 
if you were looking to get me something for my birthday, cake donuts are better than anything else. All right, well, let's get to the big story, which um, uh, came up uh, yesterday. And uh, it, it kind of a spooky thing. I mean, again, if you needed another reason why homeschooling your kid might be the way to go, if you can do it, I know there are going to be people out there that say, you keep saying that and I can't do it. All right, that's fine. I'm not talking to you then. I'm just talking for people who could do it. Um, multiple school districts across Alaska, including Anchorage, received an emailed bomb threat on Tuesday prompting some districts to take steps in response to uh, this, including evacuation. Now, the troopers said yesterday afternoon that the threat did not appear credible. They're investigating the source of the threat with the FBI the and the uh, Department of Homeland Security and Emergency Management are all part and parcel of this deal. Uh, Deed wrote in a statement, uh, that's the Department of Education and Early Development, school districts are following their emergency response plans, working with their local authorities and communicating with their schools and parents accordingly. KTUU confirmed that the Cuspic School District, the Lower Kuskokwim, the Southeast Alaska School District, the Annette Island School District, Dillingham City School District, Huna City School District, and ASD were among the districts that received the threat. The Cordova School District also reported three of its school board members received threatening emails uh, the, uh, and, and more. Now, according to Must Read, uh, the Annette Island School District, which uh, oversees the Metlakatla schools, told parents on Facebook that 25 school districts received the bomb threat letter. And, and uh, ADN... Uh, KTUU is saying it was 12. So, I mean, you're hearing any, any range in between 20 to 20, 12 to 25. <laughs> and now the Matsu didn't. And I don't think Fairbanks did. Not that I heard of. If anybody Fairbanks in the chat room wants to sound off. But it was kind of across the state. Now, you'll remember that last year there were similar instances where on the same day several schools, including schools in the Matsu, were called with bomb threats and everything else. I don't know what's going on. Uh, but again, they have to be better. They have to be safer than sorry. Could you imagine receiving a bomb threat that was nonspecific and, uh, you know, and everything else? And then something happened. They have to take it seriously, uh, which, again, reminds me why I'm very happy that all my kids were home and safe doing their school here. So I don't know, maybe just something that's going on. But they have got Every law enforcement agency in the state, I guarantee you, is paying attention. I don't remember. Did they? Does anybody remember? Did they actually catch somebody in regards to those bomb threats last year at the schools? I don't recall. I don't. I know. Again, I know the Matsu was affected, and there was a couple other places. I think there was another in in uh, Anchorage. I think there was a school at the same time, but it wasn't at that point. It wasn't against the district. It was against specific schools. So, I mean, these were whole districts, whole districts. Uh, I mean, what do you, what do you do? How do you, how do you, I don't know. So, uh, and apparently they're, they were, well, some of them were email threats. So I don't know if they were phone calls, all email threats or all phone calls. But again, reason number 1223, why I would want to homeschool my kids because, I mean, wow. Nobody, nobody wants to deal with that right now nobody 
but an email threat uh, is what the uh, ADN says. says it was an email threat received by multiple Alaska school districts. So apparently only through email, which good love, good luck with the uh, cybercrime task force trying to figure out and track down who sent what email and from where. That'll be interesting to see. Okay, uh, so just making you aware. Schools are open pretty much everywhere today. That yesterday, some of the schools shut down, not ASD, not the Anchorage School District, but many of the other ones did shut down. But they said they weren't that credible, so they're going to start up again today. So fingers crossed this is just some crank who decided to see what kind of what kind of headlines they could get uh, out of uh, out of this kind of stuff. Um, all right. Uh, the Alaska DMV is now considering some changes to how they do business. Uh, They're trying to improve. They're trying to, this is according to Ken Truitt, the spokesperson for the the Department of Administration, which controls the DMV. They're trying to improve the experience for people. (laughs) Doesn't that, that, I mean, that just seems like such an oxymoron. The DMV is trying to improve the experience for people. I mean, it's just such a, it's such a cliche. I mean, they got it in movies and TV and everything else that the DMV is the because it's so true, right? It's just so true. So the DMV is trying some new things. They uh, public notices. They're doing what they call RFIs, requests for early uh, requests for information that are being published by the DMV uh, to put out a call for answers, asking for the pros and cons of various ideas. Public notices show the DMV is investigating the possibility of. Self-service kiosks in higher traffic areas, a mobile application that allows Alaskans to renew licenses and registrations remotely, and an artificial intelligence chatbot to answer questions asked of the DMV. So those are a few that they've got out there. They have also, um, they've also, of course, they eliminated the front license plate requirement, which is going to save them a couple hundred thousand bucks a year. And they moved to a redesign of the state standard license plate with a new typeface. I don't know. I've seen a few of them around. They look a little weird because you're not used to them. But the biggest elimination that uh, they're considering right now is whether to eliminate the month and date stickers from the drive from from the plates. Um, the I you know three states have already eliminated the requirements for license plate to carry stickers. So apparently. You're still required to register your vehicle, but you just don't have a visible, you just don't have a visible or physical sign that your registration is up to date. Now, I could see that could lead to a bunch of different issues for sure, but I mean, that's there you go. Um, that would be a way to do it. I mean, I've, I, you know, I guess for what the only thing that I would see that it would make a the only change that I would see was that you wouldn't be worried the next time the trooper pulled up behind you at a stoplight and you realized that your registration was out of date and you got your sticker on your back of your car, right? Because you still have to have the registration if you get pulled over. You still have, if you have an accident, you still have to, I mean, I can only understand, only think that there must be some kind of heavy fine involved in something like that if you're driving without registration. I can only imagine that that would be it. That might be the only thing that it would, the only thing that it would eliminate for us is the is that fear of oh maybe I should did I get my, is my t- 
tags up to date? I can't remember. My tags are up to date. I hope that trooper behind me doesn't see my license plate. I need to check it when I get out at the grocery store to make sure my registration's up to date. Anyway, I mean, it's good to see that they're trying to adapt and overcome and, and all that kind of stuff. But um, the stickering program in other states, again, three states have uh, have seen this change. New Jersey eliminated it in 04, then Connecticut in 2010 and Pennsylvania in 2016. And all the states still require vehicles to be re-registered, obviously. Um, but... Uh, there, you know, there were some interesting things that happened. At the time, Pennsylvania eliminated its stickering program. The state's DOT claimed it would save $3.1 million per year in administration cost. Then three years later, they proposed reinstating it, noting that the number of vehicles registered in the state plunged after the requirement was eliminated. <laughs> the cost of the state, the plunge in registrations, possibly due to residents dodging the licensing requirement, which they couldn't prove. Cost the state $22 million in reduced fees. A subsequent hearing, uh, at a subsequent hearing, a state official attributed the drop in registrations to normal fluctuations. But I mean, I mean, who knows? I mean, I'm all for it. I, you know, I, at this point, what does it matter? All my cars, except for my new one, are all permanent tagged anyway. So I, they've all got the, they've all got the permanent sticker on them anyway. So but what, where you go from there? What are you going to do? All right, <clears throat> Chris Story is coming up here in just a second. We're going to talk with him. Uh, he is going to tell us about how, what was it? How, your quest awaits. Your quest, your quest awaits, adventurer. He's going to tell us about that, and we're going to get uh, we're going to get all on board here. All right, Chris Story up next. Our weekend, our weekly Betterment segment. It's all directly ahead. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free thinking radio. We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the, on the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, let's... Uh... Let me get uh, let me get my poop in a group here. Let me get my her for her before I come back over to the uh, before I come back over to the chat room to see what you guys are saying. And look at that, it's connected. It's all connected now. Yep, there we go. Okay, we got it. We got it. Let's get him on the line. See what he has to say. Hey, it works. Good morning, Michael. Hello, my friend. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. And you this morning? You know, I have no complaints. Nobody listens anyway. So what does it matter? Mm -hmm. What does it That's matter? right. Especially at 645. What does it really matter? We've heard this before, right? Um... <laughs> So how was the uh, how was your trip uh, on the river? You looked like you were having a good time. Fantastic! No fish, but lots of fishing, 
and great times. Just uh, three generations uh, having a blast. Three generations of stories. I don't know how that works. That's like a. Tr- it's, it's like three a, chapters. It's like a trilogy. It's like a trilogy. Of, yeah, it's a trilogy, right? Either that, or it's like one of those really four-inch thick fantasy tomes that's like eighteen hundred pages. You know, it takes you forty-seven hours to read. Um, or R. Tolkien, or whatever. But it was uh, a trilogy or a tragedy if you count no fish. But I don't care. Yeah, I wanted to go for the experience. Yeah, fish would have been great, but you know, it wasn't what I was there for. Yeah, no, fishing is you know, if you catch fish while you're fishing, that's a bonus. <laughs> right. Kind of at that point. All right. Well, today your your quest awaits. Uh, we're going to talk about that here in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, if you will hold the line for me, I will go over to the chat room and clear them up and see what Please. they've been talking about. So, Chris Story, hold the line for me for just a second. Let me go uh, over here. And see what you guys have to say. Okay. Um, uh, Bears like sweet. Free donuts for bear days. I love that. Um, uh, I don't like Krispy Kreme either, says Melody. (laughs) No, I mean, they're just, you know, I mean, you got to have one once just to see. And they're okay. But I like cake donuts. I don't like, I like big, big cake donuts. That's my thing. Bomb threat, my tinfoil hat salute to the establishment for bringing Alaska into the fold. Um, Terry Lyons, your I, 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 oh, Terry Ricks also, he goes, he goes, uh, he's not, uh, Rick is also not impressed with the, with the, I mean, Krispy Kreme's fine. It's just, again, I'm not looking for the fluffy donut and they're tiny, they're small. You go to King's Donuts, you go to Dino's Donuts, or you go to Jason's Donuts. You want big donuts. You go to Jason's Donuts. Those are big donuts. Um, all right. Um, I'm going to say that you're being racist. The fault is spread equally amongst all the seated reps. Uh, I, I can't, Who's being racist? Was uh, Did I miss something? Did I miss something? The fault is spread equally amongst all the seated reps and senators. I'm like, they're all to blame. I think that's what I said. But um, Idea Homeschool, their office also received a bomb threat yesterday. Oh, great. Um, uh, Good point. Smartest law enforcement in the world can't figure out how Cook Kane ended up in the White House. Uh, Okay. Uh, free coffee and donuts. Oh, all the here now they now they've all got the ideas. Free coffee and donuts. Maybe live music at the DMV. Terry says the DMV and Palmer have the meanest employees I've ever. You can just do it by mail. Yeah. No tabs on your plate will lead lead to more traffic stops, says Jeannie. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Texas and other states have registration on the windshield, not on the plate. More traffic stops lead to more tickets, said Jeannie. Um, Greg says he uses the tags and title. I mean, the UMV or whatever they call them. Yeah, I've done that. That's pretty easy. I mean, that's, you know, I'd pay the extra five or 10 bucks just to not have to sit in line at the DMV. Um, All right. Uh, Have you ever tried, uh, let's see, listen to the rhythm. There's a chamber meeting in Kenai on Tuesday at the Visitor Center for Candidates. Um. Kind 
kind of outdated. Plates are scanned and run before the officers even seize a violation. Out-of-date plates are highlighted with an alarm tone. What, they're looking at it with a camera the whole time? I had no idea. Jeannie, you'll have to tell me about that because I have no idea. Oh, chocolate old-fashioned donut? Melody, why are you doing that to me? Why are you doing that to me? Uh, Jason's is actually didn't close, Terry. They moved to uh, they moved to Eagle River. They're in Eagle River. I, in fact, had a Jason's donut last week, and they're good. Um, there are certain ones that I definitely like better, uh, just because. Yum. All right, <clears throat> let's stop talking about donuts. Chris, stories in the wings. Public anima number one. Oh wait, sorry. Uh, enemy, public enemy number one, which makes more sense. On the other hand, he's a little bit of a pain in the uh, Michael Duke show. A pain in the what? No, I dare you to say it. I dare you to say it. <laughs> this town needs an enema. All right, welcome back to the program. When uh, when you uh, when you come back. Uh, uh, we're coming back to us here. We are joined this morning uh, by Chris Story, who normally is with us on Tuesdays in hour two, but he was traveling and he was kind enough to decide to come on with us here this morning and give us our weekly betterment session. It's our we call it our weekly life coaching lesson. Now, usually we need it after getting beat to death by Brad Keithley on Tuesday mornings. We need a little bit of an uplift, but today we're just going to have to deal with it. Today he talks about his topic is going to be. Your quest awaits, adventurer. Uh, so, uh, Chris, what's uh, what's happening, my friend? How you doing? Doing well, Michael. Thanks for having me. I, I appreciate that. It's um, and accommodating my my schedule. We had a blast. We were on a quest of our own. Which I don't know if this happens to you, but when you're reading or just whatever it is, when you're tuned in or cued into something, it keeps coming up. And I don't know if it's merely an act of your reticular activating system in your brain engaging or if it's a message i've you mean you mean like when you're thinking about there. buying a specific like car or something and then all you see on the road is that car is that what you're talking about this is even more subtle than that it's just a word the word quest keeps coming up in my life every i'm talking about very disparate places and from diff different kinds of people diametrically opposed. It's not just that I went to a Honda shop one day and that, or a Honda dealer and now I'm seeing Hondas on the road. This is more like coming at me, but stitched together. And I thought I'm going to pay attention to it. So I don't always, but sometimes I do. And that's the word quest. It keeps coming up. And I started thinking about it this morning. In fact, in my library, just sitting here drinking coffee and thinking about why What's going on? I mean, I, I'm not exactly a world traveler. I'm not ready to or wanting to go out on some big epic journey. What is this word quest? What's happening? And I realized I have an individual quest. It's not in a far off land. It's not a journey of epic proportions that'll require me to renew my passport and get visas for exotic countries. It's a request for a quest, I think, that's close at hand. And in fact, Michael, are you ready for this? I think it starts in your own backyard. That's right. Oh, I said oh, I went there. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> classy, 
classy promotional tie-in uh, at the same time. Author of the Backyard Millionaire, Chris Story, is our guest. So how do we, I mean, when you say the word quest, I see the word quest all the time because I'm a nerd, Chris. You know, it's D&D, it's, uh, it's World of Warcraft, it's uh, some fantasy novel that I'm reading and they're talking about their epic quest they must complete. Mm-hmm. So where, where are you hearing it? You're just hearing it in everyday life? Yeah, that's the weird part. Exactly. In, or in a, in a business book that I'm reading or a, a book on happiness or uh, an old Mickey Spillane novel or just like weird, just like, you know what I mean? Like, or in conversation I overheard at a restaurant the other day. It's like, it's just odd, just ways that it was coming at me. I said, I'm going to pay attention to this because here's what I think. I think really the battle for America, the battle for the heart and soul of America, the battle for our freedom the battle for our democracy, our, our representative democracy, this great experiment of America is in your own backyard. If America is to falter, it will not be because we were busy spreading democracy in far off lands. If, if America is going to falter, it's because we lost the homeland right here in your own backyard. So the quest I suggest is about ownership. Yes, I want you to own four homes. I want you to buy land. I want you to buy homes. I want you to own your town. I want you to own your community and more of your own neighborhood as you're able. But that's not the only quest. I think the other piece of this puzzle is to plug in. The quest I suggested that you plug in right now where you are with what you've got. We've talked about this before. Local news you have to go get. City Hall what's done at your local city hall or your town council or your assembly isn't going to end up on Fox News that night, CNN, MSNBC, or Newsmax. It's not. It's going to end up on some back page of a small sliver of a paper, maybe or on an obscure website, or maybe they go far enough that somebody like you, Michael, comes across your radar, you'll pick it up and amplify it. Otherwise, it's up to me. It's up to you. You have to pay attention, plug in, Figure out what's happening in your own backyard and defend your own homeland. You saw what happened in New Mexico with the governor. It was up to a local sheriff to say, I'm not enforcing that violation of the Second Amendment. No, you got to find somebody else. Okay, she pitched it to the state troopers. Well, then it was going to become up to those individual state troopers to say, BS, I'm not enforcing your bogus anti-constitutional law. No way. Obviously, the courts struck her down, but the point is, individually you have a quest where you are with what you've got it's not just about going to dc or your own state capital it's where you are right now right here is our time the battle's here china isn't buying farmland in america at gunpoint we are selling it to them blackrock state street vanguard they're not going door to door with a gun or an explosive device saying we're going to take your home from you uh no we you are selling it to them. They have a goal to own, what is it, three quarters of all the single family residents in America. We can't let them do that. It isn't up to your senator or representative. It's up to you, right where you are with what you've got. That's your quest. So <clears throat> you're kind of hearkening back to what I've been talking about for a long time, which is, you know, I really, for the most part, I mean, occasionally now and then something will catch my eye, but for the most part, I've kind of stopped paying attention to the national politics because. I can't really affect it. And what I should be working on is things that are happening, again, in my own backyard. Like you said, where can I affect change? And change happens in my life, in other people's lives, closest to you. 
And so find something. And I guarantee you that if you own four properties or more in the neighborhood, in your community, in your hometown, you'd probably be paying a lot closer attention to this kind of stuff because it would affect you directly in that way, right? I agree 100%. And it can be about ownership. Um, but there's a different age and stage for everybody. Maybe it's you're at an age or stage where you're not ready to go out and pick up another three, four, five properties. I respect that. I understand it. So for you, it's a matter of what. What can you do on this quest? What can you do? Who can you impact? What stories can you tell younger generations? How can you influence and impact and inspire the people right where you are to hearken back to what, why did your community even become founded? What what did it used to be like? What can you help celebrate? We're, we've sold the heart and soul of America's manufacturing to China. We've given it to them, not by force, but by choice. We have chosen cheap crap. We have chosen to offshore even much of our, what did we learn during COVID? How much of our, our pharmaceuticals are manufactured at, in China, one of our great, the greatest threats to our democracy that exists. Of course, I still think we are our own greatest threat. However, if we're looking externally, our, one of our greatest threats to our way of life is holding the keys to our health. Why we need to encourage compounding pharmacies where we are. We need a compounding pharmacy in every community so that should there be some other pandemic, should there be some other threat, you do not have to seek out ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine in some back alley pharmaceutical avenue coming from India or wherever. We need to own and control these things right where we are. So no matter what age or stage you're at, your bag should be packed, but then unpacked because the quest starts right here. You don't need to go anywhere. You could start it right here. So what do you recommend to people in <clears throat> in their attempt to discover their quest, right? I mean, again, this is a, every week I'm asking you to break it down for the stupid people like me in the back who are going like, okay, what do you mean, man? It's pretty words, but what do you mean? Um, so, so how do we find, how do we figure out what our quest is? is i mean what 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 do we do i submit to you michael that you already know it i think that we each have a tuning fork in our heart and soul and we know it when we're it's a little bit like flack over the target whatever you analogy you want to use you know it you know when you're there and it's a matter of just tuning in and saying okay i accept i have the feeling that something's already triggered in your mind in this short conversation that's like you know what I am going to do it. I'm going to do it right here. You know, you could go through a, a, an exercise of meditation and long thought and procrastination, or you could simply answer the call that's already in your heart, because I submit to you that it's probably already there. And it's just a matter of saying, yes, I'll do it. I'll pick up the mantle. I'm going to go. I'm going to take this on today. I'm not going to let grass grow. I'm going to simply make a move today and start it. It could be as simple as saying, I'm, I'm going to commit myself to find out when the next planning and zoning meeting is, and I'm going to schedule and go council meeting, assembly meeting, uh, whatever it is, I'm going to pay attention, plug in, and I'm going to show up. And it could be that simple. It could be, I am going to go and get pre-qualified and see what I can afford to purchase or how I can make this next purchase. It could be any of these things. It doesn't have to be involving real estate. That just happens to be in my heart and mind where, see, I said the other day on my show, in America, we hold the power to, of America in our deeds. 
whoever owns the deeds of America, the most deeds, is going to win. So is that going to be a foreign interest? Is it going to be Vanguard, BlackRock, State Street? Are we going to turn America's property over to corporatocracy? Are we going to turn it all over to these giant mega corporations that do not have your best interest at heart? Or are you going to own most and more of America? And that's what I suggest. But it doesn't have to be that. Could be a journal. You could write a letter to the editor. Uh, Greg Sarber, whom I've talked about here, was writing letters to the editor until the editor of the Homer News said, nah, we don't like your voice anymore. He started his own Substack. He started his own newsletter. Right. What can you do? Well, I mean, it's a nice, you neatly wrap this up into your own personal philosophy of the backyard millionaire helping create millionaires around the, the country and around the state. Getting four properties, that could be your quest, or just having your voice be heard. Chris Story, the man from Homer, I love HomerAlaska.com is his website. You can go there and get all the information, including his uh, books, The Backyard Millionaire, Born to Live, and his latest book, The Watchman, which is in the Jacob Mann series, also available on Audible.com, read by yours truly. So, fun stuff. Yeah, good stuff. Chris. Thanks so much. Hold the line for just a second. Thanks for coming in this morning. I appreciate it. Thank you, Michael. My All right. pleasure. Hold the line. Uh, folks, we'll be back with more Hour 2 Dead Ahead. Mike Shower and more all coming up. The Michael Duke Show. I, uh, <clears throat> I'm really, you know, I got to be honest with you. When I read The Backyard Millionaire and I read it, you know, I read the book first and then I go through and then I perform it when I, when I did the audio book. That book really resonated with me. Now, unfortunately, it resonated with me, but I have not, we've talked about this, I have not taken action on it yet. And I've been thinking about it the last week or so. I've been thinking about, you know, I really need to take action on uh, the things that you said and, and uh, you know, the ideas that you presented, because I thought they were, you know, excellent and, and really had some merit. Uh, and this has kind of spurred me on. What is my quest now? Maybe my quest is to go get pre-qualified or to figure out what I can afford or what I should do. Um, you know, this is a, I mean, I think this is a good, this is a good opportunity uh, to do it. Remind people real quick about uh, the kind of the thesis behind your philosophy of the millionaire maker and, and uh, what, what people should do in that regard. Is first accepting that you can, it's not a must have to, if you can anybody, this is available to anybody. My One of my great mentors who became the namesake in the book, The Backyard Millionaire, his name was Oscar, uh, who was actually the character himself, the protagonist, is actually just an amalgamation of a lot of people, including my dad um, and, and Oscar, this guy that I'd met. And I'll use Oscar for this example. He was 55 years old. He worked in a shipyard, and he built a vacation home for him and his wife on the coast uh, below Tacoma, where they live. And he's like, huh. So not just can he build ships, but he goes, I could build a house. Interesting. A friend found out he had done that and said, hey, I've got a little lot down the shore. Would you build me a vacation house down there? He said, sure. And then he looked at my wife and I, and he, had, he was 85 years old at that time, but he had big, bright eyes. And he said, hey, Chris, they haven't caught me since. And then during that 30-year period of time, he built a massive fortune you don't have to. I'm using him as an example. He built a massive fortune with over 1,500 apartment rentals. He had a chain of motels. He had restaurants. He had a huge building in, in uh, Tacoma where he lived in the penthouse above, or surveying all that he owned there. I mean, it was such a gem of an idea that, wait a minute, he didn't travel. He didn't go anywhere. He just anchored in where he was and said, I 
am now going to build. I'm going to build something. And in that 30 years, he built a fortune. And he always had this resonance about, I'm not done yet. And he would talk about his age a little bit and go, I've still got so much more to do. And I'm thinking, you're 85. You've built a fort. No, he was still on his quest. It took him to Alaska as a place to vacation. And that's how I met him. But he really was building something right where he was. So that's what makes me think, okay, it's never too late. No matter what it is, maybe you don't right. want that big of a right. fortune, but it's never too late for you because you got to get started. Man, I wouldn't turn down that big of a fortune. I will tell you that right now. If I could, if I could free myself up to do the things that I really loved, that would definitely be uh, that would definitely be a plus. You know, I'll never, never, never do that. Um, and that starts with what you you said it before. Your your goal is to turn people into millionaires. Um, yep. You know, as many people as you can, and it all starts with you know, three or four properties in your area, right? I mean, that's what you do, right in yeah. your own backyard. Exactly. My goal is 2,000 millionaires every two years. And essentially, that just means I have to constantly be talking about it. I have to constantly be telling people, you can, so can you, so can you. If I can do this, you can do it. And one day I just looked around and I was like, wait a minute, this is, now mind you, this is almost 20 years ago. Uh, average price of a home was between two and 250,000. Hmm. If somebody owned four of these, all you'd have to do is one, two, three, four. Yeah, millionaire. Now it's well, two homes really, and you. But you gotta still say four because you want the passive income. It isn't just about accumulating the assets and accumulating the, um, you know, net worth, the, the money and the capital and your net worth. It's about the income going forward. That's the prosperity piece of it, according to Buckminster Fuller. That's the amount of money you have coming in going forward without having to work for it. So that passive income, in addition to having equity, in addition to having a large asset to hand off, if you wish to, to family uh, when you're gone and leave a legacy, but it's also about that income. So cash flow is a big piece of what we talk about, but it all starts right here. It's a quest of epic proportions, but in your own backyard. And it just starts with a phone call. Maybe at the end of this conversation, somebody says, you know what? I'm gonna schedule that pre-qualification. I'm gonna find out what I can do. And I'm going to take that first step, even if it's two years from now, before you can actually affect it, start today. Otherwise, you're just kicking it down the road in two years. And you have a little you have a little pamphlet that kind of outlines the first steps in becoming a backyard millionaire, right? It's the uh, millionaire makers. Yeah, the million, mm-hmm. Six practical steps to your first four homes. And I love giving it away. If anybody wants it, just text the word maker at 907-299-7653 and I'll email it or text it to you. Uh, it's about 90, 35 pages, quick read. Nine, oh, I'm sorry, 907-299. Uh, what is the last one? 7653. Seven, Spell seven, sold, by the way. 7653. Okay, sorry. My mm-hmm. computer was lagging horribly, and so I missed that. Okay, I posted his number up in the chat room. Just text the word maker to that, uh, to that and he will send you a, uh, a PDF of his uh, little pamphlet on how to become uh, the backyard millionaire, how to do it, how to start your journey. Um, and even if being a millionaire is not your thing, uh, at least having some of that passive income and being able to pass something on to your kids, definitely unusual in this day and age. It seems like, it seems like the only thing we're passing on to our kids these days is the debt we've accumulated, uh, when it's all said and done. All right. Well, Chris, thank you so much, my friend. I appreciate you being with us today. Thank you, Michael. It's a great opportunity. It's good to hear from you, friend. All right. Thank you so much. All right, my friends. uh, We have got uh, more coming up. We're about to jump back into it here with Hour 2. Mike Shower should be joining us, and we'll be talking with him 
Uh, meanwhile, I'm going to reset the stream at the top of the hour again during the theme song because it's obviously dragging uh, audio. Uh, Terry just said the audio is dragging as well. So I don't know. It's Things are, things are a little slow right now, but we're going to get back into it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Text that number if you want to get that booklet. It's a good booklet to get. All right. Back with more right after this. Buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Oh, welcome to hour two of the Michael Duke Show. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, welcome to it. Hump Day edition of the show. Wednesday, downhill slide. We can see Firearms Friday from here. Coming up on tomorrow's program, we're going to be joined by Nick Begich III, who's running for U.S. House. And uh, we'll be talking with him about his candidacy and some of the national issues that uh, we may be able to have an effect on. Like I said, normally we don't have much of an effect. This might be one of them, though, uh, as we go through. So Nick Baggage is going to be joining us tomorrow in Hour 2 of the uh, of the show. Still working on guests for Hour 1. I've got some ideas, but uh, we don't have anything solidified quite yet. Uh, coming up on today's program here in this second hour of the show, we're going to be joined in just a few minutes by State Senator Mike Schauer who should be landing as we speak on the tarmac in Anchorage uh, from his uh, from his day job flying for FedEx. And uh, he's supposed to be calling us and <clears throat> talking with us on the way home about all the various things that are on his mind this week, including uh, discussions on uh, why shouldn't we just... <laughs> the Kathy Geisel opinion piece keeps coming back to me that we talked about with Brad yesterday. It just keeps coming back to me over and over and over again. The hypocrisy... Of somebody saying, we really need to expand the food stamps program and we really need to do all this because it's our job to protect Alaskans uh, and do all this kind of stuff. Meanwhile, she's A-OK with taking the PFD, 100% taking the PFD uh, and doing that. I mean, not realizing that that would go further in making sure that more Alaskans stay fed and healthy than anything else. So we'll talk about that with uh, with Mike Shower this morning. Uh, as well, and uh, we'll continue on. Let me uh, let me talk a little bit about this story before we uh, before Mike calls in here this morning. We were talking about this on Monday. Uh, we had uh, David Boyle on talking about they're having that big Alaska COVID Alliance Fall Conference over on the 13th and the 14th of October at the uh, Mountain City Church. 
And um, so, and I was saying at the time that I just don't think people will be as complicit as they were in the last, like if they're, if they start calling for shutdowns and COVID spikes up a little bit or whatever, uh, I just don't think people are going to comply the way that they used to. And especially with the mandates, especially after some of the lawsuits that have come out of some of these mandates and uh, some of the things that have gone on there. But, uh, I mean, who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. It's uh, Information is coming out now uh, from uh, Providence uh, Health Services, uh, which, of course, is the local hospital down here in the south, in south central in Anchorage. Um, it's a Catholic health care organization, and Must Read Alaska's got the story up about it. Suzanne Downing writes about it. Uh, the information that's coming out of Providence is confusing at best when it comes to the new COVID vaccine and Providence's workforce. The workers at Providence reportedly received a memo this week. Um, the memo posted uh, by users on X or Twitter. Um, the memo advised them of an updated COVID vaccination policy, saying that those who don't want to take the vaccination could be fired. This memo allegedly has been received by Providence workers in other states. All the caregivers need to give, uh, they need to have the newest vaccine for COVID and provide proof of vaccination to the company by November 30 that they have taken the shot. And here's a quote from the memo. The caregivers who do not obtain a COVID-19 vaccine or decline by November 30th may be removed from the schedule, placed on unpaid leave, or may be subject to termination for continued noncompliance with their facility policy. Uh, the memo says that the company is developing a tool for providing proof of vaccination or submitting a declination. Now, some of those who posted the memo online said that they heard back later from Providence's PR team, which said, whoa, 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 the shots are not mandatory at all. I'm just, wait, you just said right here, you may be removed from the schedule, placed on unpaid leave, and may be subject to termination. That, but that kind of sounds mandatory. That kind of sounds mandatory. Uh, according to uh, according to the Gateway Pundit, which quoted a, sp- a Providence spokesperson, they said this is not the same as the vaccine mandates that were required to be implemented by state law and CMS during the uh, pandemic. Caregivers can choose to decline the vaccine. Those who do not wish to receive it simply need to submit a declination form by November 20 or November 30. Rather, they no longer need to request approval for medical or religious exemptions, as many states. Uh, and CMS required at the height of the COVID. That's Catholic Medical Services. A declination will be automatically accepted. They do not need to be approved. This pro- they were like really. <clears throat> they were like really. Oh no no! Well, wait a second. Wait a second. Because I'm sure the backlash on something like that has got to be pretty huge. Where I mean, people have come to the point of like, look, this is endemic. It's no longer pandemic. It's going to be here. Do we need to have that? You're, you know, mandating vaccines and all this kind of stuff. And they're like, no, 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 that's not what we said. That's not what we meant. And yet the Providence's website, the company makes it clear that shots are mandatory, according to the Providence website. The caregiver vaccination policy, quote, aims to prevent and control the spread of COVID transmission to workforce members, our vulnerable patient population, and the community. Uh, The policy applies to all workforce members, including employees, caregivers, volunteers, trainees, interns, medical staff, students, independent contractors, vendors, and all other individuals working in the facility. (laughs) So my question is, because I personally, personally know two people 
And anecdotally, I've heard of uh, another dozen people who basically quit their job in the medical industry when they were faced with the choice of you either have to get vaccinated or lose your job. Like I said, I know of two people who just said no and left. And now, of course, that whole time they were crying about the shortage of workers. And I'm thinking these guys worked without a vaccine for like 18 months and everything was going fine. And now you're going to mandate it. They're already on burnout because they've been working so hard over the last 18 months without a vaccine. And now you're going to force a bunch more out. Does that even make any sense whatsoever? But you could see here how this whole thing may change because while they put that memo out, which clearly states that if you don't get the shot, you could get fired. And then we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not what we meant. What we meant was something completely different. Even though that's what the memo says, we meant, I think I still stand by what I said on Monday, which is I think people are going to be like, dude, um, I'm not going to fall for that again. I'm not going to fall for that again. I know plenty of people. I have not been vaccinated. I've had COVID once, right? And again, this is just anecdotal. This is my observation. But then I have met other people or people that I work with that did get vaccinated. And most of them have had it multiple times. So how is this any, I mean, I didn't get vaccinated. I've had it once the whole time. And it was like a day and a half, two days, and then I was back to it. Lost my sense of taste for like a week and a half, two weeks. But other than that, it was fine. And yet all these people around me who were just, you know, in fear, dying to get the shot because they were in total fear, and they've had it two, three, four times. So tell me again how this is supposed to help me. And tell me again about all the stuff that you were pandering and peddling during the during the, the heat of the pandemic that made, ever, made everybody fearful. And that's why we shut down businesses and those. I think if there is some kind of spike, um, and which, again, it, it won't just be cold and flu season anymore, right? It'll be cold, flu, and COVID season. It, it's it's going to be cyclic, just like, I think, just like the flu is. But if you get to that point where all of a sudden you're going to start saying, well, now we need to shut. I just don't think people are going to pay attention to that shutdown. I just don't think, I know communities won't, certain communities won't. You know, probably the KPB, probably the Matsu wouldn't do it. Now, maybe Anchorage would get all uh, a flutter about it. But I just don't see people standing for it again. The first time it was an unknown. There was a lot of fear. There was a lot of things going on. People were afraid they were going to die. I mean, it was a whole thing. But I think now, now that they've seen it, now that they've seen that, you know, yes, there are people who died from COVID. That COVID is and can be a horrific virus that, you know, if you're affected, it's a tough thing. Um, But at the same time, same thing happens for other. You can't shut the whole world down on the potentiality that that's going to be as bad as I mean, the shutdown was more detrimental in the long run to the economy, to the people, to mental health, to education. We could just go through the list of things that it was bad on over that course of time. I just don't see it. I just don't see it continuing. I don't see it getting any um, traction amongst people who went through that the first time. That's just my take. But again, big organizations like this, like Providence. 
And of course, sending the mixed messages is not helping anything. Oh, you must get the show. Well, we didn't really mean that, but you still say it on your website, but we really didn't mean it. Okay. Well, what is it? What is it exactly that you, you know, anyway, um, there's a whole story here as well. I don't, I didn't have time to get to this story. Um, it's a story in the Alaska Beacon from Claire Strempel talking about uh, as Alaska works through its post-pandemic Medicaid renewals, only about a third of people stay covered. Now, a third of people in the state, only about a third, which means that during the pandemic, there because it used to be, and that was a number that actually popped up under Bill Walker when he the last year that he was governor showed that about a third of Alaskans were on Medicare, on some kind of welfare-driven uh, or, you know, income-driven thing for Medicare because they'd expanded – or Medicaid – because they'd expanded Medicaid out in all these different things. Tons of people could get on it. But the beacon is lamenting the fact that only about a third of Alaskans are staying covered on Medicaid, to which I was like, what? I mean, that's that's the bad – that's the downside? Um. Only a third of Alaskans are staying covered, according to the the renewals dashboard, which is available over at uh, Alaska.gov. So they had 200 and as of August 31st, they had 254,000 Alaskans are on Medicaid. 254,000 out of 760, 740,000 Alaskans, whatever the, the, the new number is, one-third of Alaskans are still on Medicaid. This story, though, goes on to talk about how part of the problem is is that there's these paperwork problems and all these other issues and things going on. And there's this interesting blurb right in the middle of it where it talks about the one thing, which is the process. Uh, they follow this one person through the process of Medicaid. And I look at this and I read this little blurb and all I could think of is, and you trust the government to do anything at this point? They're the solution to your health care. They're the solution. So here's, uh, let me just read this real quick before we go to break. So they're talking about an individual named Barnes, Sandra, uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Barnes, uh, Brandy Barnes. They're talking about Brandy Barnes. It says, the process is difficult for the state to navigate, but also for individuals like Brandy Barnes. After she got the notice that she may lose her care, her Medicaid care, she tried to contact the new caseworker because she'd been told she had a new caseworker. After weeks of attempts, she said she got another notice that her son may lose coverage, another notice of the same thing. This time, she went to the Division of Public Assistance Office and worked with an employee to get all of her paperwork filed. They were unable to contact her case manager. This is she's got a new one. She tried to reach him for weeks. She finally goes down to the office, works through everything. Then she got another letter. It said the state hadn't received her paperwork and her son would lose coverage. This is after she sat in the office with a worker and did it all. An advocate helped her to turn the paperwork in again. She was notified that her caseworker no longer worked for the state. Then she got a done a ton of backdated paperwork in the mail. All of it weeks out of date. Some of it was up to a year out of date. One letter was a notification that she had a new caseworker, one that had already left, that had come and gone. She didn't even know it. Another said her paperwork didn't come in. She'd be denied. Another said she was missing part of her paperwork and would be denied. The, I mean, this is government efficiency at its best. 
She's turned in this whole story throughout this whole article. She turned in all the paperwork like four or five times, and including going down to the office, never being contacted by her caseworker, never being able to get a hold of it. And this is the kind of coverage you want? I mean, I'm not a fan of this whole one-third of Alaskans on Medicaid thing, but at the same time, this is an example of what you would get if you were covered. This is the kind of bureaucratic hoop jumping and every this is what you want. Ah, I, I just the whole thing just absolutely blows my mind that this is somehow acceptable. All right. Uh, anyway, we got to go. Uh, Mike Shower should be calling in here in a minute. We'll be hearing from him here. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We'll return with more right after this. Running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. Okay. Um, weird thought. Where do commercial pilots park at the airport? Uh, I'm assuming at the FedEx terminal. Uh, or that, the. Uh, I mean, for Mike specifically, I think you need to bite the bullet and switch to Starlink. I've got a Starlink unit that I've been paying for, but I have not got it all tied in because, again, it still drops and lags sometimes. Uh, I've been checking in with people who live around me who have Starlink friends and seeing how it's doing. I'm eventually going to switch over to it. I just haven't as of yet. Um, good morning, Eskimo Libertarian. I saw you earlier. Um, congratulations, by the way, on the bouncing, bouncing baby, baby. Um, uh, let's see. Mandating vaccines is a power play, says Jeannie. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I agree. Um, the same, um, the same Providence administrators that swayed stopped Sarah Vance's no one dies alone bill while in the hospital. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, fear is the leverage. It's the beginning of medical tyranny, said Jeannie. Yeah. Um, Randy, I agree with you. Randy said, I've never gotten the COVID vaccine. I would quit my job before submitting to a mandated vax, but I'm not anti-vax. I think it's fine for anybody who voluntarily. I agree. If you want to get it, more power to you. I told that to all my friends. They were like, well, you're not, you're just going to be anti. I'm like, no, if you want to get it fine absolutely get it if it makes you feel safer if it may if you think it's going to work for you great there you go um just don't force me to do it um uh to move the required a jabby jab um um okay don't get another one um Let's see. The new information about the next, this is, okay, what's this? The new vaccine, the new information about this next fact is shocking. It's using a Delta spike mRNA and the vaccine will keep your cells from recognizing the new variant and literally be useless. 
Uh, get this, they used a cohort of 774 people. Oh. Um, <clears throat> that's that. Military TRICARE. Um, let's see. With the military TRICARE, you have to go into medic. You have to go into Medicare at sixty-five. Oof. Um, one department can't return to work over uh one H. What's this? One health and social services department can't return to work because someone let the lease expire. <laughs> what? I learned that nugget after sitting on the phone for five hours waiting to ask a question to determine to talk to a human being. Wow. <laughs> wow. Um, you did not take my – did EL take your suggestion about the middle name? And Eskimo Libertarian did not. I feel – I feel I'm, – I'm hurt. I'm absolutely hurt. I'm just hurt at this point. Um, okay. Okay. Uh, I can look at that. I got through all the comments today. And Mr. Folgers seemed to have stepped away, which is uh, interesting. Um, okay. Um, what should we do? <sighs> Wait for Mike to call in. He should be here any minute, unless he got delayed. Um, oop, over here. Close that. Close that. Okay. All right. Well, we are all ready. I don't care who gets the jab jab or who walks around with a face tape around if it makes them feel better. Just don't start acting like some self-appointed COVID special forces officer. It's not even a special forces officer. It's more like a political officer, right? What do they call the uh, the the commissars in the that the, used to be embedded with the Soviet military units? Remember, they have the political officers. Can't remember, I guess the political officer, I guess, is the thing, but that's what it felt like. You know, <laughs> they've appointed themselves to tell you how you are wrong and how you're going against it and how you're killing people. My wife actually had somebody come up to her at the store one time, get in her face about that. She wasn't wearing a mask and this lady was. And, and my wife's like, you're like in my bubble. You're real close to me. Am I supposed to cough on you or what? Oh, she got indignant. All right. Um, I just, I don't understand people. I just don't understand. You know, it's not like she's, I just don't, I don't, people. I think sometimes they've turned being angry into a sport these days. Being outraged is a sport that we're all watching and participating in. I, I It's crazy. All right. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense. Liberty-based. Free thing and radio. Let's do this thing. Here we go. Okay, well, welcome back to the program. It's another beautiful Wednesday. A little 
Heavy rain, 43 degrees. My thing just flashed up on my screen. 43 degrees and heavy rain. Okay. <laughs> it's another beautiful day here in paradise. Another beautiful... And these guys who are in the chat room are all talking about drinking heavily today. What? I mean, come on, guys. It's not that bad. Although I will say this. I mean, if you... if. if it seems like somebody, uh, it seems like everybody these days, not somebody, but it seems like the, the, a bunch of people have turned being outraged into a sport. I was just talking about this at the end of the break, uh, commercial break, before we came back. Um, is it me? Is it me, or are you seeing that? I will say, you want to know what a little guilty pleasure is occasionally? There will be a video on the internet of, like, Karen's getting served, right? I mean, Karen's you know, the person who's that constant complainer and I want to speak to your manager and all that kind of stuff. And um, and maybe that skewed my view a little bit, but sometimes people, for the craziest reason, they just want to be outraged. It seems like there's, it's again, it's almost a sport at this point. And that I don't know why. I don't know why people would want to be outraged about things. I don't know why people can't let Stuff roll off their shoulders. Um, some of the things that people get outraged about, you can see on the on the internet. It, you know, there. I mean, there are whole YouTube channels dedicated to Karens getting served, and by served, I mean they're not being served drinks. I mean getting their comeuppance. And 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 I just think, how is there so much fodder material for these channels? I mean, are people really? this outraged all the time over every little thing? I mean, why, you know, to quote the great philosopher Rodney King, can't we all just get along? Can't we, can't we all just get along? Why? Why do, why do people get so, and up in your business about things that have nothing to do with them? We, we were talking during the break about the COVID thing and masks and and the reaction that some people had uh, on that, and uh, it's a—I mean, it's a—it's an astonishing thing. Um, but I think people just, for some reason, want to be outraged. I think they feel vindicated when they're out, I, and I don't understand it. I personally don't. Uh, I believe this is Mr. Shower. Let's uh, go over to the phones. Good morning. Hello. Hello, Mike. Uh, no. Okay. Uh, somebody has called my cell phone. Um, uh, I'm live on the air. We'll have to talk. You'll have to call me back later. I'm waiting for Mike to call me. So we'll, we'll go, we'll go there. You have to call me back later. Um, all right. So I, yeah, I just, Richard says he thinks it gives them something to feel important. It gives them something to feel important about. I, 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 ne- I just I don't understand that idea of walking up to somebody and especially the Karens who go to somebody who's working a counter at some, you know, fast food restaurant or something. And you got this worker that's making 12 bucks an hour and you're going to start screeching at them at the top of your voice because they put ketchup on your burger when you didn't order it, even though that's what it comes with or, you know, whatever else the problem may be. I just I just don't understand that whole mindset. I just can't wrap my brain. And I guess that's good uh, that we do it. But, I mean, is it has it been the rise of the Karens? And for those of you who are named Karen out there, I apologize. But I'm using it 
as a pejorative, you know, kind of a cultural pejorative for anybody who I don't. I want to know: was the first person who actually did this really named Karen? That's my question. I feel bad for the Karens of the world if that's the case. But it it really is a kind of a horrific thing. It's it's like a train wreck. When I watch these videos, and there are videos that are 20 minutes long of one session after another of people being caught on tape doing the most ridiculous things, the most ridiculous things, and being outraged over literally nothing, um, that I I just wonder, what, what has gone, what has happened with uh, the art of discourse? Right. The art, the ability to have a conversation, even if we don't agree with somebody, the ability to have a polite conversation without, um, you know, without uh, this whole blowing things up and wanting to kill each other. Civility. Thank you, Terry. Civility. That's what I was looking for. You know. There was the whole thing of uh, the, the triumvirate, right? The Socratic method of logic, rhetoric, and reason, which we, we don't even teach that anymore. We don't even teach. They didn't even teach that when I was in high school. I had to read about that and learn about that on my own. But, I mean, it, it's where is the rhetoric? Where is the ability to have a conversation and agree to disagree, to argue your point without being combative, without tearing somebody down? I mean, where is the civility? No, not the senility, Brian. The civility. Where is the senility? I can't remember. Anyway, Melody says, I watch those Karen and Darren videos. They are hilarious. I mean, they really are. It's, it's, sometimes it's really cringe-inducing to watch people do this. But... um you know, I just uh, this again, this is this topic was not something I was planning on jumping into, but we just got to talking about it at the end of the break. And I'm just like, how? And, and it's a, it's like the whole thing about the covid thing. Right. It was the fear that was driving it. And you saw videos of people. And here's the thing that got me was that people who are on both sides of the debate, people who would be videotaped in grocery stores, screaming at people for wearing masks and saying that they're sheep and that they should do it. And all I'm like is just leave them be. If they want to wear a mask, fine. If you don't want to wear one, fine. That's my point. My whole point was, I don't care what you... It doesn't affect me what you do. If you want to wear a mask, great. If you want to get vaccinated, that's fantastic. I support that 100%. Just don't go around and force me to do all the things that you want to do. And so we saw it from both sides, right? And people bumping up. And, you know, that was the thing. I was telling the story about my wife got stopped in Fred Meyer. This is probably six, eight months into the pandemic. And uh, she was at Fred Meyer's doing some grocery shopping. She didn't have her mask. And she said, this woman came right up to me, right in my face, and said, you're killing me. You're trying to kill us. You're not wearing a mask. And my wife's like, you are in my space. Am I supposed to cough on you or something to get you to go away? Oh, that's just out. She was just outraged that my wife, you are in their personal bubble. Is that, is that the civility? That we're looking for. I mean that, it, and and I think it it really is the divide and conquer kind of mentality. We want to be outraged. We want to create the them, right? It's us and them, and the them needs to be destroyed. If you don't believe the same way that I believe, then you absolutely need to be utterly destroyed. 
And that's a problem for both the left and the right. Is that if they don't believe, you know, all those commie libtards, they don't, they should all die. No, no, they shouldn't. They should have the ability to believe what they want to believe. Just as long as they're not forcing me to go along with it. Why did we get so combative in that regard? Why are we, you know, live and let live. Live and let live. Don't hurt anybody. Don't take their stuff. Do what you want to do as long as it doesn't violate anybody else's rights uh, or interfere with their lives. That's what we should be doing. That's what we should be living for. Not this idea that everybody has to live exactly how I live or they're evil and they're wrong. But that's what we're facing today. We're facing absolutes. There is no gray area. There is no compromise in the middle. There is no finding any kind of middle ground. I have known many people who I completely disagree with philosophically, but we found joy in talking about things like art and movies and other things, and, and we're able to find that common ground. And you miss all that when all you do is look at them and see the, the Pelosi sticker on their car and go, oh, they're evil. We must, you know, we just must. Why? We disagree, and maybe we can try and sway them with logical arguments, with rhetoric and reason. But why should we look at them and say they are the enemy and they are evil? They are not. They just believe something differently from you. Are there evil people in the world? Yes, Michael, there are evil people in the world. But I'm talking about in generalities. Just because they disagree with your philosophy, you know, philosophically does not mean that they are evil and that they should be destroyed. But that happens on both the left and the right. You're killing us with your hate speech or whatever. Anyway, that's, oh, I didn't mean to get on that rant, but I just, it, it's something that really burdens my soul. And I don't, like I said, I don't know if I'm just totally skewed because I've watched all these videos and I find a weird, not satisfaction in it, but it's a more, it's like a morbid fascination of watching these videos of these Karens going on and on about things that are just like, really? I mean, that's, you're so worked up and you're screen. And then half the time, depending on what you're watching, half the time it turns into some kind of racist philosophical religious rant or something for half the, I mean, just like, Wow, you people are just embarrassing yourselves. You just, you can't even. Again, where bring civility back. Bring civility back. Make civility great again. That's what I'm saying. These, these, those are the people that watch Fox News. It's everywhere. It's not just Fox News. I would guarantee you that there's a ton of NPR listeners in that batch of Karens as well. NPRs and Fox and whatever. It's just, we just cannot, can we all just get along? I mean, wow. All right. Um, we're coming up on the break. We haven't heard from Mike Shower yet. Apparently he hasn't hit the ground. That That's not the right way to say that when you're talking about a pilot. He has not landed. <laughs> I just, sometimes, sometimes Dukes. Just your word choice is just so, I know it's, it, I'm sorry, apologizing to myself. 
Uh, okay. We're coming up on the break. <laughs> oh, God. All right. We're going to go. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio, Karen free radio. We'll be back with more right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah. Oh, there we go. Uh, I know. I have somebody just, somebody was calling about the, apparently they were calling about the gun show. Uh, um, <laughs> I'm still, I'm still live right now. So I'm still, uh, still talking about it. Okay. Um, let's, uh, continue on here circling mike he may be circling the field i mean who knows the rain it's raining heavy it could be any number of things and he just you know he told me like he told me last week he goes i'm supposed to schedule to hit the ground at like 705 you know whatever and he goes so i probably could be with you about 710 if it's late it could be a little bit later but it'll be what it is and so i don't think uh he may not make it this morning he may not make it this morning Oh, you should watch some of those Karen videos. You, I mean, it almost makes me feel good about myself and how I handle people because, but I mean, I got to tell you, I got kids uh, that are out there working in the workforce, right? Uh, young, young adults, uh, you know, late teens, early twenties, and they are out there working and they come back with some of the most horrendous stories about people who come in there and just, and, and just, fly off the hand she, you know that some of the i mean my, my girls have come home someday in tears because somebody yelled at them about something that was totally beyond their control as a cashier i mean you're a cashier making 12 or 13 bucks an hour and this person comes in and you can't honor a coupon because the system won't allow you to honor it because it's out of date or i mean whatever the i don't even remember some of the situations but they are just like yelling and screaming and losing their minds and the entitlement of all this stuff and they just they reduce people to tears and i'm like who does that who does that that's why I like to watch the ones that are Karens getting served. Karens who get their just desserts. That's what I, the one who basically, the one where the police show up later and arrest them and like, no, no, you're the problem, sweetheart. <laughs> Those are my favorite ones. The ones where they're just running ramp, rampant kind of exhaust me. But the ones where they're getting served, I like those because they're like, this is what happens. You play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. You do stupid things. You call, you know, uh, uh, I just, yeah, mean people 
Only a-holes do that, says Justin. I mean, that's the thing. Who does that to a 19-year-old little, you know, little girl, 19-year-old girl at a counter and some big guy is in there swearing at you because you didn't give him his whatever the thing is. Now, first of all, my question always is to the management is, why don't you walk out there and go, uh, you can leave and never come back? I mean, that's the thing. There are plenty of people in this world and we don't need you here. That's always my question when I see something like that happen is you can leave and never come back. And if you're not gone in the next 30 seconds, I'm calling the cops and they will escort you and trespass you out of here. Where is that? It does happen in some of those videos, which I love. But why isn't that happening? You know, my, I was with my daughter. I said, what did the manager do? Well, nothing. <laughs> why? Why would you allow your employees to be treated like that? Why would you? Oh, good. <sighs> I don't know how we got on this topic, but it's uh, it's a pet peeve of mine. I just, about five years ago, somebody started screaming at something and I just looked at them and, and I was in, I was like, anyway, I turned to them and I said, Hey, they're like, what? And I said, why don't you just shut your pie hole and leave? <laughs> just, I have no patience for your stuff, right? <laughs> just, why don't you just shut your pie hole and leave? And I'm a pretty big guy. So maybe I intimidated them. Maybe that's bad on my part for doing that. But I was glowering and I was like, I have got no patience for your nonsense. Oh, my old boss fired a customer and that was the right thing to do because he got belligerent. Yes. I mean, how you are rewarding the behavior. See, everybody became so afraid of the litigious nature of our society and the ramifications of, oh, my God, they could sue us. By rewarding that behavior, you are just encouraging more of it to happen, right? You are just encouraging more of it to happen by not addressing it, by allowing it to go through. It is just insane that you would do it. It's insane that as a society that we would actually put up with that from people. That that behavior is not called out and ridiculed by everyone. Every one of us should be ready. And you know what? And they should be like, you're blacklisted. Never come back. And they keep doing that at other places. And pretty soon they won't have any place to go. <clears throat> wow. All right. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense. Liberty-based free thinking. Radio. Let's get to it. Okay. Well, one final segment. I don't have much hope that uh, Mike Shower is going to be joining us here because uh, he must have gotten delayed. He's probably in flight somewhere doing that uh, doing that thing. Um, but uh, I do have the phone lines open. 
907-433-3150, This is kind of one of those organic days where kind of a topic comes up and it just consumes my my mind. And, you know, kind of talking about that lack of civility. Does anybody else out there have a story of, I mean, like, especially if you have children or young adults in your life who are working in uh, customer service and like retail and things like that? Um, my One of my daughters was like, yeah, I'm not going to go there. Uh, I'm not going to go apply for a job there because I have a friend that works there. And they said that they are just treated by the public like crap and the management does nothing. And so, I mean, if I, I'm interested to see if you have stories about that. Is this just is it just me? Is my perspective skewed because I love watching Karen videos on YouTube sometimes, especially the ones where they get their just desserts? Um, you know, like I'm a Karen and I'm going to scream and shout about all this and then I'm going to call the cops. And oh, by the way, the cops haul me away because I'm the one that's causing the problem. I mean, is that the, uh, <laughs> you know, is, is, am I the problem on that regard? Uh, I just, I, I don't know. Because again, as a business owner, I would, <clears throat> the first thing I would do because your employees are one of your most valuable resources, right? And you want to protect your employees. You would be like, I'm sorry, madam or sir or whoever you are. You can leave. You can leave and never come back. Because my employees don't deserve to be treated that way. And yet a lot of these big corporate structures, they don't allow for that. My daughter worked for a national chain store and they would come in and, and she'd come home in tears and they'd be, she said, he was yelling at me about a coupon that is expired and how I should honor it and all the, giving me all these reasons. And I'm like, my system will not take it, sir. I cannot do it. And he starts screaming and yelling and ranting and, you know, throwing things. And, and I'm like, and the manager did nothing. I mean, that, that's the, that's the answer? It's permissiveness is what it is. It's because everybody got, got so afraid that their company is going to look bad in the PR or be sued or whatever. And now and your employees leave and don't ever want to come back into that industry because why? I mean, as business owners, if, you, if some of your business owners out there, wouldn't you, wouldn't you have been like, uh... I'm sorry, please step outside or I'm calling the police and you'll be trespassed. We will 86 you out of here forever. You do that a few times to some of those people who are like that. And uh, yeah, and and pretty soon they'll have no place to go to be Karens. And that that'll fix that problem right up. <laughs> they can yell at themselves in the mirror. <laughs> Anyway, I, weird topic, but it just it came up, and I'm just I, I am am totally just amazed how people feel entitled to act that way, and like it's okay. Like, where were your parents? My dad would have smacked me through the back of the car if I'd acted that way. Not really, my dad was not that way. But you know what I mean? I would have been. I would have gotten a stern talking to, and maybe a whooping. All right, uh, let's go back over to the phones and see what you guys have to say, or go to the phones, I guess, for the first time today, and see what's on your mind. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Randy in Fairbanks. Good morning, Randy. What's on your mind? 
Well, I agree with you what you're saying about being civil when you're talking to somebody, even someone who you disagree with politically or who's on the left or vice versa or whatever. I know that I was talking to a a left-leaning lady who was a city council member back in 2019 named Shoshana Kuhn, and I think she's a nice lady because I was talking to her in the uh, city council chambers in 2019 uh, during recess when uh, they were discussing the Ordinance 6093, which is a massive authoritarian, freedom-robbing, anti-discrimination ordinance that attacks the uh, private sector, in my view. And but nonetheless, I had a I was talking civil with her, and she was talking nice with me, and uh, and so I think I still think she's a nice person. Right. But she's running again for city council. She was on the city council, and she's running again, and. Uh, and I fear her getting on the council. I wish her well in other endeavors, you know, whatever she wants to do, but I just don't want to see her elected sure. to the Fairbank City Council because if you ever got four like-minded people on that six-member council, they could uh, pass an ordinance like 6093 again sure. and take away our freedoms. And uh, it right. did pass. She who voted for it did pass it uh, at the time in 2019, but fortunately the heroic mayor that we had at the time uh, Jim Matherly, he vetoed it and saved Fairbanks, which was a tremendous <laughs> relief to me. Right. But anyway, so I would recommend that people, just two people up for vote for election right now for the city council, and those are incumbents, Lonnie Marnie and John Ringstad, and I sure hope people get out uh, for the October 3rd election and vote for those two people. But, yeah. Uh, the main focus of this uh, 6093, as I've talked to you about, about of course, several right. times, but is was the LGBT thing. But the the fact is, it had a whole smorgasbord of categories. That oh yeah, it was a problem. It was definitely the city statutes there. Yeah, um, you know, it was definitely a problem for sure. Yeah, absolutely. But, no, but I agree with you, Randy. I mean, you could be friendly with people. I'm friendly and acquainted with people, people that I would never vote for. Doesn't mean that I can't be polite. Doesn't mean that we can't have conversations about things. Doesn't mean we can't even debate things civilly. But we should not be yelling and screaming and, and cursing at each other and, you know, basically wishing the other person dead, which I think is some of the some of the reactions some of the more wild reactions you get on those kind of discussions randy thank you for your call i appreciate it let's go over here good morning who's this where are you calling from hey this is elena and i'm calling from anchor point hello how you doing michael good elena what's on your mind this morning well i heard you talking about you know your daughter working in the national chain and how she was treated and a um, couple of things. My dad, back when he ran the restaurant down in Texas, he had somebody that they just let their child run loose and run all over the place. And he went to ask her, can you please calm your child? Oh, we don't believe in discipline. He said, then you need to leave. And she goes, well, you can't do that. Yes, I can. I'm the owner and thank you. And the whole restaurant, because it was lunchtime, stood up and clapped. Yeah. And agreed with him. <laughs> exactly. And it was just, you know, it's kind of funny because it's, we hear it more and more, but it's been happening for the longest time. And then my son, I had twin boys, and when one of them was still living down south before he moved up here, he worked at a national fast food chain in the drive-thru. And he, like you said, these kids are earning, you know, whatever they're earning an hour, you know, 12 13 $15 an hour. And they get treated like trash, but he was fortunate enough to have a manager and the owner of this franchise that he was working for stand up for their employees. Uh, that's but good. But when he moved up here, I said, you know, 
this place is higher. And he goes, I will never work in fast food again. Right. Well, that's what one of my daughters yeah. did. She worked in fast food for a while, and she's like, I will never do that again. She goes, the people who worked there were great and everything else, but the way we were treated, no, I won't do that. And I'm like, who treats fast food workers poorly? These are like the lowest, I mean, these are minimum wage young kids. Who does that? I know, and it's just, you have adults who should know better, and they're acting like toddlers. I ran a home daycare when I was living down in the lower 48, and my daycare kids, as well as my own, behaved better than some of these kids. But some of these just, adults, yeah. The civility is a big issue, like others have said, and I think it's the heart, too. They just have lost focus on what's important and, and how to treat people decently, because Abraham Lincoln, he said, a house divided will fall. And yeah. I think we really started seeing all of this happen when, you know, when Russia was dissolved, when we started not having to worry like we did back in the Cold War, or we didn't have something to focus on. So everyone right. is trying to grab right. like, the tiniest little thing. So something external, we don't, yeah. have an, we don't have an external thing to focus on. Now we're just looking at each other internally. And then the divisiveness is definitely not helping us either on that. I agree with you. I, I really do. And uh, it's it's frustrating. It's one of my pet peeves. But like I said, it's one of the reasons why my guilty pleasure is watching a Karen get served on a video somewhere for being a Karen. Getting ousted, getting told to leave, getting arrested by the police. I've seen it all. And it just makes me chuckle because I'm like, that's justice there. That's what should happen. And if more people, if more of those things happen, maybe these people would stop for a second and think about their actions. Maybe not, but who knows? All right, well, <clears throat> Karen's are us today, I guess. The Michael Duke Show. Tomorrow, Nick Baggage. Maybe we'll see if we can sneak Mike Shower in an hour one. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. See you tomorrow. Yeah, I don't know why that was just, I, I got on that whole topic, but wow. Yeah, it's a, it's a horrible, um, it's a horrible, horrible thing. Uh it's uh it's astonishing. Um the Super Bowl for Karen's is when they or their family members are in the ER. It's been so bad in some states they have made it a felony to assault a healthcare worker. I wish Alaska would follow that lead, said Jennifer. I mean, yeah, why would you treat your health these are people that are trying to help you. Why would you do that? Why? I just... Anyway. Um, it would be interesting, says Donna. Come on, pop up. It would be interesting to study the characteristics of those who are indoctrinatable. Most of them are probably French. <laughs> Why do you hate the French? Why do you hate the French, Donna? All right, my friends. Well, we're going to go. <clears throat> Thanks for coming in. We will see you tomorrow.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show.